Hello and welcome to the Thirst Eye Podcast, where we take our ideas, visualize them in our third eye, and bring them into reality so we can talk about them in tangible ways. I'm here with some of my freaks and friends, and we're all different agents in this journey to enlightenment. Hi guys, it's Eleven. Do you know what we are? Fucking God Destroyers. The Dow? You mean the stock market? It's Agent 19. How you doing? Hi, I'm Agent 13, and every day I run up my silly little hill and make my silly little deal with God. Agent 9. The entire house is dark sided. Last episode, we explored the land of monsters. This episode, we're going to be exploring the other side, the land of gods. Just a heads up, this episode might challenge your pre-existing beliefs and shake up your view of the world. Proceed with caution. Alright, so since today is episode 11, we are also celebrating Agent 11 today. So first, we asked the fans for some questions to interrogate Eleven for our little experiments today. And then Eleven's going to go on to explain their entire theorem of the universe. So let's get into it. So our first question here from our fans on Instagram for Eleven is asking, what is your sign, Agent Eleven? So, um, my sign, okay, so, um, once I did this guided meditation thing that it was supposed to, um, I I forgot what it even was for, but the point is that I eventually saw this sign, it's like hard to describe, um, but it kind of looks like an onk. Um, I sent it to the other agents before, like right after I had that um, meditation experience. And I was like having full on visuals just from a meditation. Um, and so this sign, it's kind of like an, if you imagine an onk and a cross mixed together. Um, and then like at the top where the like, thing is supposed to be it's actually like four like round parts as if it was it kind of looks like a dragonfly that's kind of how 19 described it to me um it also kind of looks like it could be like a, a like a clover but like with a long stem so you're saying this symbol is your sign yeah, um, I saw a sign. You um, saw and, a sign, gosh. Yeah, and it opened up my eyes. Well, that's amazing. We love a good sign. Um, our next question from our fans is asking Eleven if Americans live in trees, then why cut down? Uh, that's a good question. So, basically, 
it, it really is like this really big issue that um uh, like on a like very like basic level uh, especially like american culture just hates mother earth and she's she's like a tree um and she tells us our secrets um if she trusts us but um basically she told us some of us that weren't supposed to hear like she trusted the wrong people basically and um people ended up betraying her trust and um so they they just use her secrets against her and they're actively trying to kill her but they know that she has more power than them and they'll never be able to truly cut her down no matter how much of her they try to cut down Wow, that was a really beautiful explanation for Mother Earth. But I like how you said she trusted the wrong people. But absolutely, Mother Earth has been uh, definitely polluted and like robbed of all of her resources. Um, so another question I have for you is Eleven. Um, do you believe in God? And more importantly, do you believe in life after love? So, um, when it comes to that question, I have to ask which one, which God? Any. Um, yes. And um, in terms of life after love, Cher was kind of onto something because without love you don't really have life but the good thing about love is it's all around you you just have to trust your head around wow we love um you're right we do gotta trust your head around but yeah i think Cher was onto something and you're right I feel like when she says life after love, she's inferring that love can go away. And I think real love doesn't go away. So um, that's a that's an interesting one to think about. So we were talking about uh, God and gods and do you believe in God? And you said, which God? And that does sort of raise the point that in this western society you know we say god you believe in god um but that's not the case in every society obviously there's different religions than christianity but in the west we generally that's something we normally hear a singularity like like a singular term god um but this episode i think we're gonna get into more of god and gods in general and how god and gods and this idea of god sort of interacts so i know 11 has this really cool theory about how the universe works from their perspective so 11 um hit us with it uh 
do we create gods or do gods create us? So or is that the wrong question? That was too many questions at once. Um, I, I think I can answer them all together. <laughs> and if there's like anything I miss, you, you could just like follow up on that. Cool. Um, but when it comes to like, do we create gods or gods create us? It's kind of a feedback loop because we, we sort of hit on this sort of feedback loop with folklore last episode when we were talking about monsters and um, this feedback loop is even more apparent when it comes to belief about where we come from on a spiritual level like on a metaphysical level and what I believe starting from like the very beginning of the universe is that we all come from this ever expansive like singularity point that doesn't have a name the closest thing that I could think of like the, the closest like system that comes to describing it would be Taoism and reading the Tao Te Ching would give you that um sort of like a good like understanding of it it, it says that the Tao that can be named is not the real Tao um, and that's sort of where everything comes from even things that don't exist yet or things that already existed they're all there and the reason that it's not just like a void is because it like emanates into different aspects of itself sort of and each emanation gets more and more specific and right now like what we're experiencing at the moment everyone who's listening to this you're experiencing a human perspective and within that human experience you also are able to like you also contain everything from that on for example like you're connected to the entire human species because we're all like one soul basically that's really fascinating and there's kind of a lot to unpack with all of that um i like i like you comparing this to the Tao Te Ching um I feel like that's a really good one for all beginners in spirituality to read. It's pretty short. It's not like reading a, a big chapter book or anything. It's sort of like a paragraph or like a poem almost on each page. Um, and it's sort of, uh, it. it's not super straightforward in a sense that a lot of it is open to interpretation but there's a lot of good things to really meditate on and um but yeah i feel like that's a good way to look at things um sort of like in taoism they don't really refer to like a god or a being or a creator it more so talks about 
life and sort of like its essence and some general advice I guess you could say that would be like a description of it but um, compared to your theory and the Tao um, what what is the relationship of this idea to the concepts of gods or deities and if these gods or deities exist is there a certain hierarchy to them um so when it comes to hierarchies there isn't like this god is better than that one or whatever in that sense um there's um a sort of hierarchy of like how much they encompass like how how many things or like how wide of a thing they encompass there's like different types of gods for example there's certain gods that encompass like there's like Gaia that is the entire earth and everything that inhabits the earth and there's stuff that's more specific to different parts of nature that would be like flora is like all of the plants and stuff but then there's also these like primordial gods that are like concepts sort of like chaos is chaos and Sophia is wisdom gotcha gotcha and how they're sort of like elementals in a sense that like certain deities are like fire or rain or yeah yeah it's interesting once you try to talk about like gods and deities and like start to give them categories um i don't think that's something i think about very often but they do really kind of have um their own categories so when we're talking about all of these gods obviously when you're talking about these gods, it's a wide array of gods and goddesses and deities. Um, You're not sort of naming one from like a specific religious sect. So um, it's interesting to see how like this, this like encompasses everything. And also um, when we're talking about these gods, um, do these gods just exist since the dawn of time or do we create them or do they create us um what about these gods so um certain gods do exist from like before we existed such as the ones that i was describing like gaia and um chaos sophia those um come before um humans and we only named them and gave them personalities but then there's more human types of gods that we um created there's Aphrodite she because she is she has to do with like human emotions such as love and the human desire for beauty and there's those who who represents wisdom and other things 
That's interesting. Um, so would you say like, so basically you're saying that humans, for example, were like yearning after this thing. Uh, maybe it's like beauty. So they sort of created this tale of Aphrodite and um, so with that they have Aphrodite in their mind and they're worshipping Aphrodite Um, so you're saying at this point Aphrodite becomes a real entity within the universe like is this Aphrodite a tangible being with a body or is she a thought form is she um like at what point do do the energies of certain people create a certain reality or create a certain being or entity so yeah um i gods are pretty much thought forms on like a different level so yeah um that is sort of like how it works and not so not every god is a thought form of humans because I like coming from like in a sort of animist perspective where I believe that everything has like everything that is not man-made has its own spirit and even man-made things could be like given a spirit by sort of giving it that thought um and thought forms are um basically like constructs of i don't want to say your mind but they exist on um like a different sort of realm than us that they can't like physically like come down here like you you can't like chill with Aphrodite in a garden or something you you might like chill with her in your mind and that's valid I'm not sure if I'm making sense with like my explanation of this no I get what you're saying well, this is this is like giving me so many questions. Um, so, in your mind, like, what is the definition of a god? Because we were sort of talking about uh, how how sort of everything sort of has like this spirit energy and this thought form, and especially like uh like natural things like plants like plants have like a spirit and plants have an energy um humans have a spirit humans have an energy but also if you like think about something enough like if you think about a certain item um this certain item could like get an energy get a personality because you're sort of like projecting that thought form onto it um so that, that, to me, is, like, a really fascinating concept, and I think that's definitely, like, a thing. Like, if you've heard of people talking about hauntings, I don't know why this is reminding me of ghosts, but kind of, like, how there's, like, uh, objects can be haunted, 
So that's sort of like if someone imprints an extreme amount of energy and thought into an item, when that person is no longer connected to that item, the item still sort of is manifest, like the spirit, this entity almost comes out of it. So I think this like really validates your theory in a lot of ways. And it also makes me think of, um, I used to watch like a lot of haunting shows and things like that. And uh, it talks a lot about uh, like poltergeists and like things like that. I'm not sure if it necessarily has to be like demons or whatever. Specifically the show I'm thinking of is the show Dead Files. but it, I've always been fascinated by that idea of entities that aren't he, dead humans. They're not just ghosts, but they're like created by the mind. They're created by activity, events, um, trauma. But I, I don't know if you're like aware of what I'm talking about or know the show I'm talking about. But it's just really fascinating. But I think it is a testament to what you're saying in the sense that um, almost like we create our reality to a certain extent. Like that sort of like uh, a, a, a thing people throw out all of the time. But obviously like people are creating and things are creating like entities and energies just by like projecting a certain amount of energy onto it so by that standard i guess you say you could create your own reality i i guess because we're all like co-creating and um when people talk about like you create your reality it's sometimes like i i hear this from like spiritual influencer type people that they it's like use it, yeah to like yeah. sell their like manifestation courses or whatever and yeah um that's they're like totally like misrepresenting like how that works yeah i think that's a term that is definitely like one of those terms to be cautious about and um like it's a lot of times it's like oh you create your own reality so like why am I poor why am I being abused like yada yada like and I don't think like you should be like oh I deserve to be abused I deserve to have a bad life like I think there's definitely flaws to that you create your own reality system but it definitely is highlighting um at the very least that there is a lot of power that comes with like your mind your intention um like human beings are powerful human beings have uh the ability to be magical um and the the sense that um we are our own gods and that sort of plays into your theory about how um, a lot of gods are just products of human invention that then became um entities that sort of react, interact with us on the actual plane um, and sort of guide us or represent certain like ideals and archetypes to us. So like you like you brought up thought forms earlier, and um, when you started talking about like 
the dead files um that reminded me of how i like i think the very first uh, like exposure i had to thought forms as a concept was reading this creepy pasta about tulpas um i'm not sure if y'all know what tulpas are mm-hmm. um but basically they're imaginary friends on steroids is how i would put it um cuz you like spend a really long amount of time visualizing and imagining a thought form in your head and you eventually start visualizing it in the world and the creepy pasta since it's a creepy pasta they make it scary it's not really that scary and it's something that comes i think from Tibetan Buddhism and it's like an actual part of their spiritual practice but there's other sorts of practices that use thought forms in similar ways for example there's like servitors that people make where they make a thought form that carries out certain tasks for them on like the spiritual plane dang that's like kind of cool makes me want to like go back and make a best like kids truly have a lot of power in the fact that they do have like a ima- like imaginary friends and like to kids those things are like so real so that sort of reminds me like the power that like children possess like they sort of have like these manifesting skills and these creative skills and like connecting skills that a lot of adults kind of lose but the tulpa thing makes me want to like read a lot about that and like um, i didn't know it was a tibetan buddhist thing but that's really cool i remember seeing that in a super natural episode lol well um did any of y'all have imaginary friends? I had an imaginary friend. Her name was Francesca, and she had um, French parents, and she was black. Um, and she had flown over on a little cloud, and she's she had um. Fro- flown back to France. What queen? So he it's not really like imaginary because he's real, but like um I had this, well I still have it, but I have this stuffed animal. It's a stuffed rabbit ever since I was a baby. It's my first toy and like my first best friend. Um and his name is Funny Bunny and like he's he's real to me like he's always been there you know um and even though he's like a, a tangible like stuffed animal like i can see him and touch him it, does it still count as imaginary if like you know because he's <laughs> yeah i think it counts Yeah. But I would bring him everywhere with me like to the store like literally everywhere. When I was like a little kid. 
I never really yeah I never really had like um like an invisible friend that I would talk to but um yeah I, I had funny bunny yeah I feel like kids are more likely to project onto things but I feel like that does go back to uh, how uh, Eleven was talking about earlier how um, it can happen with things that aren't like natural or, or organic like it could just be like an inanimate object but somehow you sort of uh, give that personality give it a personality and like project feelings onto it and yada yada um, and it's interesting to think like at what point does that cross over from like just a thing that exists in your mind to a thing that like exists in the universe as an entity or when we're talking about uh like gods and things like that do those only exist in our mind so when it comes to things such as like gods and thought forms since they're not anything tangible for the most part it it doesn't I'm not sure if it like even matters to distinguish between um whether something is like quote-unquote real or not um and I'm not talking about people thinking they're talking to God and God's telling them they should run for president or they should um, kill someone or they should um, do this or that. Um, earlier when 19 was talking about her funny bunny, it, it like brought up a good point about like thought forms that thought forms don't have to just be in your like something that you visualize they could also be something that you like imbue into an object for example i know someone that like put a servitor in their like fingertip or something and i forgot what it does i think it was like a protection servitor or something and you could do that with anything you could imbue a like journal that you have with like a thought form that would encourage you to like let your thoughts flow freer or um, anything that you think would be useful. Okay, so this is sort of playing into the idea or at least it's reminding me of sort of concepts kind of in witchcraft but mainly just like um, yeah, I guess, I guess witchcraft would be what it was be most related to. Like, um, it reminds me of like just doing spells and things. But I mean, that is something that's like a real tangible reality to like a lot of practitioners, and they do like see results from these things. So I guess it, like, it makes sense um, because, I don't know, like, like I said before, like, the power of intention and the mind is, like, very powerful. Um, 
So I don't know. It's interesting to think how much of that is purely us, purely our mind, purely our spirit, and how much of that um, is on the part of the universe. Like, is is the universe meeting us halfway in these manifestations um, and these practices? Or is it uh, something that purely is within us? I would answer your question with another question and ask if the, like the real question is like, is the universe within us? Is that like what we're interacting with whenever we're creating? Yeah, that's sort of, where my mind was going when I was thinking of that question. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really interesting because I feel like you could say like, yes, we are all the universe or like those corny Tumblr girls that are like, we're all um, stardust tee Like, but it is kind of true. Like, obviously we are all tangibly the universe. Like we exist within the universe. We are universe um but there is like a certain uh essence within us i want to say and i think it just depends and is sort of up for debate on how you want to label it or talk about it um uh so i i feel like a lot of it has to do with your beliefs and what you identify um, and it's interesting because I feel like some people who are spiritual but uh, don't necessarily want to identify with any specific religion uh, where, where some people might say God or pray to God or certain concepts about that um, they'll often use the term the universe sort of interchangeably um so it's interesting sort of drawing the distinction and difference between god and the universe because i feel like in a lot of ways they're the same but they're also different to some people um so that's an interesting one But yeah, within this theory, would you say that God and the universe are different or are they the same thing? Um, I'm going to challenge that question's for- framework because I don't believe in a singular God and to answer that question I would have to say that the universe it is its own thing from what usually people talk about when they talk about capital G God gotcha so I would challenge what you just said with, so the universe is this 
thing. Um, it's kind of living, but it's also kind of inanimate. Um, but if so, if we're always talking about this energy that lives within us, some people say it's the universe. Some people say it's capital G God. If we're constantly talking to this thing, projecting an image onto this thing, praying to it, worshiping it, reading about it, yada yada. Um, if we're treating this quote unquote like universe within us as like God supposedly, um, do you think that this one and only like capital G God could be a possibility and that could just be uh, like a manifestation or like a, a character or an identity for the universe? Um, once again, I wouldn't say that there is I, I'm not a monotheist. I like um having a singular capital G God just doesn't vibe with me and um there is like what I described earlier when I was talking about the Tao um and how there is an all-encompassing source that we come from I don't consider that a god because once we start interacting with that then we are not interacting with it we're interacting with a like personified version of that like a personal version of that it's like we can't comprehend that which is unnameable I kind of have an issue with like the actual word God it just feels like not as accurate as it could be or something I don't know it's like there's like a plastic fruit and then a real fruit and the word God is like the plastic fruit version and but I don't know what like the real um actual fruit version of the word God would be it's kind of hard to explain and I don't fully understand it myself but, um yeah I just I've, I've always thought like the word God just seemed like ingenuine and I just I've never been able to like put a pin in it that makes a lot of sense I, I get what you're saying, um, especially like within like the the framework of your beliefs. And I guess like where I'm coming from, I sort of see uh, monotheism and polytheism as the same thing because um, the two sort of work side by side in a weird way within. Um, Hinduism, which is a lot of uh, the spirituality and religion that I absorb. But um, so I guess for me, I'm constantly um, trying to understand 
the relationship between God and the universe because to me I associate uh, God and the universe a lot as um, almost the same thing um, so I guess me asking that was sort of explaining how I view things in a way um, but I get what you're saying that within within this that sort of uh, there, there's like once the human mind is involved it sort of taints this essence almost um, and like we're interacting with like a man-made creation that doesn't like fully encompass uh, the, the whole of the universe almost so it's not like that same pure energy it's a different energy kind of Yeah, and even like within monotheist religions, there, um, it's in, like Christianity, for example. There's the Christian God, and then there's other beings that could be considered lowercase gods, lowercase g gods, and it would be like angels. Um, there would be the devil um, would also be cons- like from an outside perspective of course because if you talk to a Christian they wouldn't consider the it would be blasphemous to um, talk about things in this way to a Christian but um, uh, in a monotheistic religion there's this one supreme God that rules over these other um lesser beings that would in a different context possibly be able to classify as gods I I think that's something important to mention because yeah like within my belief like almost all monotheism has polytheism within it and almost all polytheism um wants to like circle around and like throw in monotheistic elements so uh but i think that's interesting um that this sort of lays out like a certain hierarchical structure within these gods um and yeah you could see it within christianity or hinduism or whatever else you look at um but you sort of touched on the um the christian god for a second and um well first of all i want to go ahead and say that it's interesting because um this concept we're talking about sort of validates all religions in a certain sense like it's and i think it's important to touch on this because i feel like this is like the key to world peace because all problems always seem to just come out of like difference of religion um but that's just me um but it's it's just interesting to see how um this sort of yeah it it validates everyone's thoughts so i'm just gonna say that i i don't think this would 
lead to world peace because war and conflict is a lot more complicated than people just having different beliefs there's like material conditions that lead to conflict that's fair i would say that yeah i think a certain foundational understanding would help humanity but it wouldn't fix anything um and yeah but i would i would say like spirituality though i feel like is a huge part in turning around the world simply because there's like a, a power to, to belief and a po- power to like a certain mindset if that makes sense but continue people would believe like you can say yeah like belief um the power and belief could like turn people around to agree but i feel like like logic logic and facts are more likely to like get people on the same page because if something is proven like 100 percent, there's no way it's wrong then the majority of people are going to believe it and be like, yeah, that sounds right. Even if there's like 5%, like 95% of people are like, this is, this makes sense and it's true. And then the other um, 5% are like, there's no way, blah, blah, like flat earthers, like nobody takes them seriously. Like they can't do anything um, because everyone agrees that the earth is round. Like, you can say the Earth is flat all, all they want. It's not yeah. gonna make it. Yeah, it's not gonna make it but true. I feel like that's a completely different like issue in discussion, though. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You guys were talking about manifesting earlier, and um, I was thinking like. What if something only exists if enough people think it exists? Um, and like, say- Like money? Yeah, I guess. That's really how it is though. And we're like, kind of getting at um, the point that we co-create this reality um, by like feeding these thought forms in the collective consciousness and these thought forms that are created by a group are called egregores and sometimes we don't consciously create them or feed them sometimes they accidentally get made sometimes they're um for example like bringing up money there is like an egregore of capitalism that going against that since so many people believe in like capitalism being the only system that works going against that it you get a lot of backlash yeah but if you think about it there was a time before 
we used the US dollar to go out and purchase things at stores. Like, there used to not be stores. There used to not be money. We could be living so much better. Like, honestly, like for the human race, like, they were like in the early 1900s and they were like, wow, um, the future, the year 2000, it's gonna be like the Jetsons, they're gonna have flying cars. But we're still just living in this like mundane reality. But the thing is, we could be living in this crazy reality. Um, mm-hmm. So I like, I like the aggregor. Ag- is that how you say it? Egregore with an E. Egregore. Eggs. Eggs rigor. Egregore concept. Um, that's really fascinating, and I definitely want to hear about that. Okay, so you were talking about, um, like, I don't know, people like 100 years ago or something for a second, and it reminded me of something I saw online the other day. And it was like a newspaper article, and it said, by the year 2020, everyone will be insane. <laughs> and they got that like, one right. <laughs> yeah. Nostradamus like, himself read that. <laughs> <laughs> We're dependent on this system when before we used to be dependent on the land, but that's a side. Yeah. yeah, that's kind that's like what I was about to get at with um another example would be like with fast fashion, um how like a lot of clothes are just cheaply made. They're um just you know, printed out and put on the shelf when like 200 years ago they'd be like there's an art to it there um and it's kind of like a death of art and culture because really everything in our world is just like printed out there's no skill or love put into anything that's created anymore like this ties in to my weird love for andy warhol like because I see him as a god in a certain sense that his art sort of like encompasses like that whole culture of like literally just like manufacturing like you slap something on there like it's no longer art it's just become something that you're just like slapping on um but I feel like that's very much like literally our society like there used to be like some late like your mom would make your clothes or some lady in your neighborhood would make your clothes but now you go to forever 21 and like someone who's like underpaid in china makes your clothes like i don't know there's definitely like convenience is definitely a keyword um and yeah it, it always comes back to ye old capitalism on this pod so so we were talking about the um like the imaginary friends and bringing things to life it, um it started with an e what was that again egregore yeah egregore and um i'm like could could my childhood toy be an egregore because like he's so real and like i know like i have always known that like like this toy is a he like it's never been a question like 
So um like he has an identity. Yeah. And Egregore so your um stuffed animal would definitely be a thought form and an Egregore is a type of thought form. If like let's say so an Egregore is like a thought form on like a mass scale. So like mm-hmm. if you had like a bunch of people that also like interacted with your um stuffed animal the same way then it could possibly be an egregorian wow that's kind of a concept mhm so um you're going to like this you're really going to like this so um so funny bunny is he doesn't look the way he used to like when he was when he was made when he was first born um i rubbed he's like white now but he used to be like yellow and have like colorful spots all over him um so he's he's a clown bunny um he had a clown costume but <sighs> I, I literally he, i rubbed off all of his fur and all of the color on him and i ate his tail <laughs> when i was a kid Queen. i <laughs> um and he also has a rattle in his head but yeah he's he's really awesome anyways my friend had a dream where me and her we were both clowns and she was a monochromatic clown and i was a colorful clown and we were funny bunny servants like i stan i love that well um i'm not sure how many people it takes to make it an egregore i i think it's like arbitrary but i i would count that as an egregore if your friend also believed it Mhm. Wow. Yeah. And the thing is, she doesn't know that Funny Bunny's a clown. Well. Yeah. And So yeah. But, I Yeah, and like my my parents and grandparents also like they treat Funny Bunny like like they call him a he and they're like, "Oh, you're you have well when I was a kid, they used to. They haven't like since I'm an adult now. Um we don't talk about it, but Yeah. They acknowledge him. Of your mind. So powerful. So oh, you brought awesome. up you brought up how you view Andy Warhol as the sort of god and that brings up how people view different public figures as gods. Um the like most prominent one right now is probably the maga cult and how they have their god emperor Donald Trump. That is very true. Yeah, and um something that is interesting about that dynamic is that it's actually like a really old dynamic. that people deify their leaders um throughout history for example in Rome the emperor would be a god and in Egypt the pharaoh would be a god too ooh that's true they've been doing it since the dawn of time pretty much we just do it in sort of less obvious ways well okay it's so obvious that people sort of have Trump or whatever as Yeah, people literally be praying to Trump. 
that's so funny oh my gosh um but you you don't even just see that with like political leaders you see that with like any celebrity so um talking about like like false gods sort of um talking about that how we brought up people deifying donald trump um that reminds me about this sort of um belief system that i've incorporated into my belief system it's called gnosticism it's um basically like the way that early people living in a christian society um understood the christian god and the way that this sort of fits into my theorem is that the christian god comes from sophia which is wisdom and it's sort of described as like a miscarriage of sophia which is wisdom and that would make it like lies denial or like proud ignorance and so this um demiurge is what they call it it has several different names but it's like a blind god because it thinks it's the only god and it thinks it's it created everything and in thinking that it's the only god it really like downplays how sophia this like feminine like creator force of wisdom it, it like downplays that and like on the level of like on like the spiritual level that's where um this sort of like rot this cancer that we have um here in our world of like misogyny and imperialism and all that that's where that comes from narcissism is really interesting and the demerge theory is really interesting um i don't know when i first heard it it sort of reminded me of a concept in Hinduism, uh, but it sort of talks about the fact that there is um, Krishna, who maybe comparatively the universe um, sort of had, um, um, he's just like God or whatever, but from him grew Brahma and Brahma created this material world. He's um, the creator. Creator, um, and that's sort of like the false god. People want to worship Brahma. In fact, when there's like this pure, like universal, like force of love behind it, that sort of grew this. Um, there's sort of like this entity that sort of plays as God in a certain way, um, but it nece- it isn't really. It's um, it- it's sort of like its own 
entity. Um, you could say it's like a demigod or whatever, um, but it sort of it, it rules over this more material realm. Um, but when you dive into Gnosticism, it's really interesting because it comes from, I want to say several texts that were like excluded from the Bible or sort of like found later. Sort Before of, we get into that, yeah. I, I want to say that I drawing comparisons between the Hindu pantheon and the like Christian creation story and and Gnosticism, it, it's kind of um, tricky. Yeah, it's tricky to yeah. Draw that. I get I get what you're saying. Uh, as far as I know, um, Brahma hasn't been as much of a force, if at all, for um, imperialism or. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. no Christian. What you're talking about is definitely completely different. But it, yeah, it was just sort of something I found similar. And I want to touch on the point that, uh, yeah, I find myself like constantly comparing religions, and I feel like that's just something I do mm-hmm. to sort of like yeah. help, help me understand and help other people understand because everyone is very much like operating within the realm of their own framework. And I feel like if you sort of look at these religions, sort of putting like, uh, like putting everything aside, you sort of see similar archetypes, similar energies, similar entities, like the gods within uh, polytheistic religions often have similar um like they have similar gods that go through with in religions and have different stories that could be similar and i i feel like it's it's a powerful tool to sort of put your beliefs aside and sort of compare uh these beliefs and these stories and look at them from like an archetype um in like a story perspective and see what that sort of tells us because from that perspective you see um a lot of similarities so that's sort of where i come from uh, like constantly making these comparisons yeah but when it comes to making these comparisons we we have to be like cognizant of where we're drawing these comparisons from because it's more useful to compare like the functions that these deities have in their societies rather than the surface level archetypes that they might fulfill that they might have the same outline but in reality they don't have the same purpose or act the same way in these societies because Hinduism is a living tradition one of the oldest living traditions probably the oldest living tradition and so it has that history and we have to like be cognizant of that yeah 
and um we were about to get into the different texts that inform Gnosticism and um how it ended up forming and one of those is the Gospel of Judas which um basically describes Judas as um it it wasn't it didn't paint Judas as a betrayer of Jesus and Jesus in that story wasn't the son of Yahweh which is the Christian God and it um Jesus wasn't also on the same quote-unquote side as Yahweh and it's really interesting seeing how early texts paint a whole different story than what modern-day Christianity teaches. Yeah, so much of modern Christianity um, has been changed, and I guess people who sort of grew up Christian don't really hear that side of the story. Uh, I don't, I'm trying to think if this is one of the Gnostic texts, um, but I've been doing some, like, weird Christianity research um, for a school-related project. I've been doing lots of research about Mary Magdalene, and um, so I was trying to think if the Gospel of Mary is part of the Gnostic texts, um, but I feel it it said a similar thing in the fact that it was talking about um, Jesus was sort of preaching this thing um, that was separate from what the disciples were worshiping. And I feel like that sort of explains a lot of the what's gone wrong with uh, modern Christianity in a sense, not even just modern Christianity, just Christianity period. But like, uh, if you sort of look at that from the religion standpoint, um, you get like a lot of negativity. You could get like fear. Um, You're very fearful of that God. A lot of us were sort of grew up being fearful of like going to hell or like being punished and things like that. Um, and a lot of the stories, especially um, sort of in the Old Testament, it's built on this sort of cruel fit framework that is serving this sort of entity that lives off of like fear or. Um, yeah, fear essentially, but sort of like those uh, negative like emotions. And obviously a true God, uh, like a, a, a God of love or whatever Jesus's intentions were, or what Jesus's messages was, obviously wasn't being, uh, it, it was lost in translation. And I said earlier that I was doing a lot of research on 
Mary Magdalene. Um, and one of the things that's sort of been jumping out to me from that is that um, she is like probably, we don't know a lot about her, but she was probably uh, one of Jesus's best purest like disciples. And she was the only one at the resurrection. Like she, she literally, Mary Magdalene, is the only reason Christianity exists, if you think about it, because she's the only one who saw Jesus get resurrected from the cross, like, which is basically the foundation of that religion. So she's an incredibly powerful figure in Christianity. Um, but through like various gospels written by the disciples and this and that, they painted her as a whore. They were like, she is a prostitute, she is this, she is that, like, she's some harlot, like, basically, like, they trashed her, and, like, in this, like, historical research I'm doing, like, all of these claims are so unfounded if you look at, like, the actual, like, historical accounts from then, like, if anything, all they could say is that she founded Christianity essentially um but they think that in an attempt to an attempt to sort of sabotage this like Mary or uh Sophia like divine feminine energy um they were they wanted to downplay this energy so bad uh that they basically was like well uh, she founded this religion essentially, but she's a whore though. So like writes her out of the whole story almost. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's, that's a, that's a good one for how Christianity just be screwing things up. Yeah. That goes into also the way that the Demiurge just hates anyone else getting credit um especially women and how um there's sort of feedback loops that happen when it comes to what history and how um mary was rewritten to be a whore when she was um really such a powerful figure um and that became what people believe. Yeah, like I think that really does sort of uh, circle right back around to the Demiurge thing because yeah, especially like, and it's like he'd be letting some male figures get like a tiny little bit of glory, but like the main thing is, they said, screw these women, all of these powerful women in the Bible, like, suddenly they're gone. Um, yeah, it's interesting to think of this uh, demiurge as like, a, as, like, an actual entity. Um, I remember when we were doing our research, uh, it sort of talked about it as, like, this serpent creature with a lion's head which I thought was kind of fun. 
because uh, I was like, that's not the Christian God we all imagine in our head. That's not like the big white man in the sky. Um, but I found that really fascinating. Um, but to me, like this energy almost is like this big negative like poltergeist spirit that sort of just has to like stir up shit in your house and like break your plates because it needs like attention it needs you to be scared it like feeds off of like the people who are living in the house being scared of it i don't know if this is like a very random comparison but that's just like very much like the energy i get from the demiurge but uh if you think about it both were almost created the same way in the sense that they're just balls of energy they're just balls of thought and emotion and all sorts of things that has sort of taken on this life of its own so the appearance um of the demiurge as like a serpent lion thing it, it's th- those are symbols and it's just um visual language how um people portray certain ideas um whether there is a physical entity that looks like that it, it's up to someone like if they want to believe that there I think that's um, that that sort of goes into a lot of things we said this episode because uh, I think you sort of have more of like this impersonal belief things are more like energies and thoughts and I tend to, to see things more as like actual entities like with personalities and I feel like uh, that's a common sort of split within spirituality sort of uh this personal versus impersonal dualistic versus non-dualistic and i feel like reality is very much like somewhere a combination of both um but yeah Yeah. interesting how um how these gods or entities we come up for these visuals with them um and it makes you think of like for all of the gods in history like did somebody just like concept design them did somebody eat like a funky mushroom one day and they got a vision did it come to someone in their dreams was it like this actual entity literally appeared to them because it's looked like this way since the dawn of time it's just really fascinating um which is kind of a side note but i think uh there very much is like a symbolism that's sort of written within everything. Um, so I think it, I think it's interesting to look at that as well when you're looking at gods and entities and what uh, what objects or things um, have certain energies and like how are they designed or created that way. Yeah, um, so that, um, thing about, like, whether someone, like, sat there and, like, concept designed 
these entities it it's more like they were built upon over like millennia and these are like recurring themes for example like lions they're, they're predators um they're something that we fear and um that eventually like got fused with different animals um maybe the fusions were thought up like as you said maybe by like some um substance that like fused it or maybe they had a dream or um they just imagined it as like a fused animal um and that that also kind of ties into like how we were talking about monsters last episode and also um like my belief is mostly like how you described although i do have some like personified deities that i do work with like such as i talked about in the death episode santa muerte and also like ancestor spirits yeah i think everyone it's very much up to you personally and i feel like you could believe you can believe that everything is mainly impersonal but you can still sort of pick a few things to personalize and choose to work with because that's still like an energy that exists whether or not you want to believe the actual deity exists but that also is sort of um on the flip side like some of these deities to people are actual like physical creature like physical things that exist in the universe and have like stories and like incarnations and things like that um so it's also interesting to look at that from that perspective and like obviously like i i lean that way on some deities um but yeah it's important to be like respectful to people's gods like if people want to like obviously i believe in krishna but some people if they want to think that they're hanging out with their girl aphrodite then maybe they actually are like i'm not judging them you know because we all have like very personal relationships with these energies and i know they reveal themselves to us in different ways So speaking of deities that we sort of have like this more personal relationship with, um, so I just named like Krishna that I work with and you said like uh, uh, Santa Morte and uh, things like that. But another one that we all work with here at this pod that maybe you could work with too is actually the mother eye so does anybody want to elaborate on the mother eye yeah so um we've mentioned her here and there throughout the pod um but um i guess i could explain where she fits into my theorem um and this also ties into nine theorem um that we talked about in episode nine how uh okay so basically the mother eye is the very first emanation that comes out that like is different and um separate from the all and basically the mother eye is the observer that we talked about in 
episode nine, how in order for something to exist, it has to be observed. And um, that first on the fundamental level is the mother eye, the grand observer. We love her. That's why we dedicated this whole podcast to being the Thirst Eye podcast. Um, but if you think about it, she really is like manifest, like the energy of like what we're trying to do here, um, which is sort of like observe, but also uh, sort of create at the same time. Um, as like a mother goddess, she sort of has like this original, like creator energy um but she's also like an observer um obviously as as the eye herself um but if you want to work with the mother eye um i guess before we sort of talked about opening your third eye quote unquote and how um we we did an episode on that i believe it was episode three maybe yeah it was episode three yeah it was episode three where we were sort of talking about the concept of opening your third eye and how that's sort of like a tricky term um but and so a way of working with the mother eye might be opening your third eye quote unquote but that's not like what you think that might mean if you didn't listen to that episode it's more like becoming in tune with yourself becoming in tune with your intuition becoming in tune with your inner self with your um, child self um, and things like that yeah and like further tying it into um things that we talked about in this previous episode um so we talked about how um different beings are aspects of other beings and since the mother eye is the first emanation that came out of creation um basically we all have little pieces of the mother eye and i guess that's what we call the third eye and that's why um 13 is saying that's how we we connect to the mother eye because we do have a piece of the mother eye inside of us and that's on like a physical level we have that third eye inside of us and it's um really beautiful and oh yeah um almost forgot to tie it into nine's theory um nine you can correct me if i um get any of this wrong but basically we talked about how zero is the twin of infinity and um the infinite is basically where zero comes from because it's like the mother eye is zero and she's like a defined number but she isn't anything yet but she's observing things around her and that's how she creates 
Ugga Queen. Now that we've made contact with the Mother Eye, join us next episode where we'll be testing out our new broomsticks. Now for intentions. So I guess for my intention, um, it's to continue developing my theorem and um, finding out more of different ways I could incorporate um, other uh, belief systems into it and also to continue this mission that we're on on this pod to awaken the mother eye because she might um, she, she's out there but on this physical realm she's technically dormant because so many people have just like shut her off inside of them and so she's dormant here and that's why we have to awaken her that's a really good point um so this is agent 13 i would say my intention is similar in a sense that I want to keep honoring the mother eye and strengthening my connection with the mother eye. Uh, but I also want to keep like strengthening my connections with other deities and other um, sort of spirits that I've been working with. Um, and I feel like I'm very much at the beginning of this journey. And I feel like the longer you on it, you're on it is when you start to maybe connect with these certain energies more. Um, And I feel like it's something that is very much outside the realms of what is like considered quote unquote, like normal. Um, It's like this spiritual experience. And I just really wanna like, uh, just be open for that and be open for connection with, this like divine higher guidance um because yeah i feel like if if you ask and you're open to it you shall receive but it takes only that and um i hope with this podcast it really gets you all thinking and you can maybe uh move towards that journey yourself because i feel like it could be really fulfilling to have a relationship with uh with an energy whether it's your ancestors or whether it's god or whether it's god's like plural um angels spirit guides whatever you want to call them but there is this energy out there for you to connect with and you are not alone even if you may feel like it sometimes So my intention is to become a god or a deity or or whatever and like I just got to I'm going to go into the universe and take it like it's my power and I'm here for it and I'm ready give it to me you don't have to give it to me no I'm I'm taking it I'm taking it bitch let's go let's fucking go That's my intention. I'm a god. Yes.
My intention, Agent 9 here, is to continue being a sapphic legend with Aphrodite Lady Seashell Bikinis. This has been our 11th episode. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ThirstEye. That's the number three. S-T-E-Y-E, that's Thirst Eye. You can also find us on TikTok at Thirst Eye Podcast. That's 3-S-T-E-Y-E Podcast, Thirst Eye Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts.